was just 18 in a Liverpool pub, Trey Rock was approached to be a bassist in a rock and roll covers band. Soon he had formed a pretentious prog rock band, then a heavy metal unit, but soon learned the ways of jazz at Penny Lane. About with tendonitis prompted Trey to take up the guitar and try taking his turgid teenage poetry and turn it into rap rock and Irish folk. Now he lives in Prague, where he writes songs and stories, and generally manages to avoid all those damn vampires. In 2018, Trey started writing hundreds of songs a year, and has since started a YouTube channel called Trey's Way, Songwriting Made Easy, where he opens the kimono on songwriting. Inspired by the likes of Elvis Costello, Neil Young, Nirvana, Joni Mitchell, early David Bowie, and, of course, the Beatles, Trey Rock blends his love of wordplay with a wide range of musical styles, from garage rock to orchestral suites to soulful singer-songwriter. I save all the moments with you Cause me flies in love are no strangers Welcome to the Raw Songwriting Podcast, where I challenge my guests to write a song in one week based on a random prompt, then sit down to talk about the process. Along the way, we talk about the broader craft of songwriting. I'm your host, David Coyle, and it's my pleasure to introduce Trey Rock. Welcome to the show, Trey. All right, David, how are you? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Uh, uh, it's great to have you on, man. And, you know, the first thing I got I to gotta ask you about on your YouTube channel, you have uh, a whole video about how lyrics don't matter. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm coming from a community, a music community here where pretty much the, the people in it feel like it, it own, is the only thing that matters is, is lyrics. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little put off by that. I think that's too much. But I, I, I've never been quite going the other way where saying lyrics don't matter at all. So um, let's talk about that. If, if uh, okay. lyrics don't matter, how do you, what's your process for writing lyrics? Okay. Well, clearly there's a 10 minute video about my case. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. So there's more to it than the title. I actually think I need to retitle stuff because I'm a newbie to um, the YouTube game. Well, okay. So I was in Madagascar and um, we're on the bus and all we kept hearing was the Scorpions singing Winds of Change, mm-hmm. uh, Whitney Houston and Bon Jovi. And the people there don't speak English. It's a French colony. So if they speak anything, it will be French. But most of them don't speak that. They're, they speak Malagasy. But they're all loving that music. Um, most of the world doesn't speak English. Yeah. But they love the music we produce, you know. And I listen to foreign music, you know, with foreign legs. I'm sure you do. Um, it, it doesn't really affect our pleasure with the music. So that would be my first point. And the second one is normally we don't even know the lyrics. For example, Elvis Costello. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a great mumbler. The, the, like there's, I, I read the lyrics now and I'm like, oh my God, for like 40 years, I thought he said something else. Um, so there's a lot of mundegreens and so on. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, it's it has always been kind of perplexing why you know, somebody like Bob Dylan becomes so huge worldwide. I mean, there's, I mean, is that all just people reading the lyrics after the after the fact or is it that they're if the I, music wasn't any good if and more importantly the human voice if his voice didn't have that amazing attraction or repulsion mm-hmm. you know he's like uh in britain he's like marmite you know you either love him or you hate him yeah um you, you know if he didn't if that raw quality like david bowie says you know it sounds like sand and glue what an amazing way to describe dylan's voice you know um but that's what it is. And that's what, the, you know, we hmm. respond to. But also Dylan was a great stylist. You know, we'll go when I put on Nashville Skyline, I'm like, what is this Bob Dylan? You know, because he, he did that nasal thing for a while, didn't he? So 
really with music, we're, we're listening. I, I use this word gestalt, I don't, you know, but it's the entire thing. So it's the way the the lyrics combine with, with the melody, with the harmony, with the rhythms, with the band, with the arrangements, with the human voice, with the way it's recorded or the live experience you have. So there's a total thing. Um, the gestalt, you know, that hits us when we listen to music. So I would argue, and I did, the the <laughs> least important thing is the lyrics. Because if you like poetry, read poetry, because it, it is an entirely different thing. Poetry has to stand alone on the page. Um, and it, it really has a different function. Now, this doesn't mean we can't enjoy lyrics. I'm not saying that whatsoever. And, sure. and as songwriters, it doesn't mean lyrics aren't important to us because we have to perform them. Um, but I think that people get it, you know, and also we like music with really bad lyrics. As I said, Led Zeppelin, a lot of lyrics are really bad with Led Zeppelin. Oh, sure. If, if they did st political stuff, they sound like Black Sabbath, which then made me think, wow, Led Zeppelin doing War Pigs would have been amazing. Um, but they would have been a different band, you know. So we, we don't even, even, you know, fussy singer-songwriters like us, we don't even need great lyrics for the music we love. Yeah. So... I, I mean, I, th I think there's, I, I mean, I, I agree with it. I think there's, you know, different genres, you know, have different emphases on, on, uh, on different things. Yeah, that's um, true, yeah. Well, you know, I remember once uh, Keith Richards talking about his theory of, of lyric writing uh -huh. and that he was all about kind of, I guess, vowel sounds, you know, the, the oohs and the ahs and everything. And so for him, when he was writing the lyrics, it wasn't necessarily about the specific words but it was just about how those words sounded, sort of how they determine the, the phrasing of the vocal in instrument. Yeah. I, I think that even if the meaning of the lyrics doesn't always hold sway, I, I do think that it does kind of, you know, like if you have a hard K sound, you know, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a more jolting thing than if you've got some, something, you know, like an SH sound or something like that. And, mm. and I do think that the lyrics matter just from an, from an instrumental phrasing standpoint yeah, you know? I, I, I wouldn't disagree of course you know i was trying to be a bit contentious oh, of course just, i was contentious before i started the youtube channel you know i don't see why i should change but um but i i think um just to throw that idea out there you know and i support it you know if you watch the video it gives you something to chew on absolutely you know? and i think the one of the the big bugbears is people go oh you know lyrics are like poetry to me well can you quote poetry you know like yeah. have you learned uh, Under Milk Wood by Dylan Thomas. Can you recite it all? You know, yeah. Or can you know? So they're, they're different things. They're different beasts. Um, of course, I love lyrics and songs, and a well-turned lyric, you know, gives me a little thrill. You know, the like when my influences, Joni and Elvis Costello, David's lyrics are great. The Beatles, of course. Um, and yeah, I love lyrics, but Absolutely. I don't. I don't get too sweaty about them. For me, the most important thing, as a songwriter is the music and conveying a, a mood or an emotion, a sensation even. Um, that's what's the most important thing. Yeah. Well, not, let's... not get tied up with the lyrics, as we'll see when. Yeah. About... Well, why don't we, why don't we take one of your songs as a, as a case study here? I've got right. queued up uh, a song called Dude Can't Abide. And is this, um, is this off of a particular album? This is off my Winter Hours album. Uh, I released uh, New Year's Eve 2019. All right. This is Dude Can't Abide by Trey Rock off of the album Winter Hours. 
walking through the woods for all day. I was peaceful there. I was peaceful there. Thence across the dunes to the waves. Moonlight like me there. Moonlight like me there. 'Cause this dude can't abide the four walls where he come from. But nothing better has come to mind. Nothing better has come to mind. The pull to Rome is strong, but no way. No conviction there. No conviction there. If some sound advice, someone say, not to be had yet. Yeah, 'cause this dude can't abide the four walls where he come from. But nothing better has come to mind. Nothing better has come to mind. Nothing better has come to mind. That was Dude Can't Abide by Trey Rock from the album Winter Hours. And uh, I, I love it. It's it's just it's 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 such a compact song and you just you just capture a, a, a certain feel. Um, and and the lyrics are 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 wonderful, um, <laughs> even though there's there's not there's not many of them. How, how did you come about this and, and, and why did you decide to go so spare with it? Um, I did that album in about, and including writing some of the songs, um, the album's 20 minutes, but it is uh, six songs on there. Um, I did it in about three weeks. And, um, wow. I, I just... Um, that, that's from writing to recording? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and also, um, my my first album is a garage rock album um, that I did in the studio, and I wasn't happy with that. So I decided to learn how to do the whole production thing myself. So I spent about two years on my next album, Subject to Change. And that's that's like my hunky-dory, you know, every single song is totally different. Sure. Um, but I was I did lots of instrumentation because I was nervous about my ability to produce. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to have the courage to take a step back and make a naked kind of album. At the end of the day, every time I do an album, I want it to be as good as Blue by Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Now, that's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's you know that's the the light at the top of the mountain that I'm, I'm climbing towards, and so you know and that's a it's a really naked album in in many ways, isn't it? And and so yeah, so I I went that direction, you know, in terms of instrumentation and so on. I remember uh, several several episodes ago, I, I I tried to write a my 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 Joni Mitchell song, and the thing about Joni is, I I I genuinely think that she was. She was very intentionally setting the bar so high that nobody else could do what she was doing. I think she was she was trying to not just make great music, but be a little bit showy. And uh, um, I mean, it's just it is amazing. It is amazing what she does. And and this, of course, is I mean, I'm not super well versed in Joni. I, when I think of Joni, I, I think of uh, 
you know the more complex lyrics and melodies and and what i what i like about this though is i i like how it's the exact opposite i mean it's very i mean you the the, the lyrics are very literate but the 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 song itself is is it it it, it, it it's just this this little capsule of of a of a feeling of a of a moment and yeah. um and i i really really appreciate that can you remember the specifics? I know you you write a lot of songs, but can yeah. you remember the specifics uh, behind what inspired this song and 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 how you went about writing it? Like a lot of people, um, I got Netflix. <laughs> yeah, I watched all the good shows, and then I started watching the other shows, which is most of what Netflix has to offer. <laughs> and it just wasn't keeping my attention, so I would be picking up my guitar, like my particularly. Um, the Slavic, which is my um, the uh, nylon string one you hear there, and and just you know twanging around until something pops out. Then I'll pause the movie or whatever, and then um, record it. Um, and I had a rule to finish things because the world is full of people saying, "Oh, I've got a hundred songs, but they're not finished." Well, actually, mate, you don't have a hundred songs. You've got yeah. no songs. You've got to finish things. And of course, that's when I discovered finishing stuff makes the next song better somehow. Yeah. Isn't it? You know, it's like going to the gym, to use a terrible analogy, but, you know, you've got to keep doing it. Um, and Elvis Costello mentioned this in some interview ages ago that he writes every single day. And I remember at the time, scratching my head going, how the hell do you do that? You know? Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was I was watching something unsatisfying on Netflix. And, um, and I was being really lazy. I think I was watching this in bed, to be honest. And, um, and those first two chords, there's a G, and then there's um, a a G with F at the top. And I basically put my thumb over the top of the neck and my finger. So I'm not even fretting it normally. I'm doing it around the back of the guitar. Okay. You can, like it, you can That's see like a, kind of a Hendrix thing, right? Isn't that what he was, he used to do? Well, I use my thumb a lot for normal chords, but this one I was super lazy and I just, Oh, I see. To the F. So it looks a bit cack handed to tell you the truth. It looks really <laughs> bad. Um, but, you know, so, oh, that's an interesting chord, you know, the a G with the F, you know, in, in the bass and at the top, you know, so it's a G7. But, um, and then I went to E-Mine, I thought, okay, well, something I learned from Miles Davis from reading his autobiography, um, apart from the rude words, is um, you do a question and answer, and that's one of the videos I did on my YouTube channel. Um, you ask a question, and then you answer it. And, of course, you can ask several questions before you supply the answer. But for some reason, as human beings, we need that. The answer mm. and i'm not going to talk about music theory and resolution and stuff but there is somehow that we need the tension don't we sure um, then we need the release you know it's like if you had a movie romeo meets juliet they fall in love and get married at the end you know well you know what what's the point of that um so i am um, i i had a i always start with chords um and then i use them to supply um some of the Basically, I get I try to get into a flow state, and um, I, I get myself an image supplied by the chords. So that that, that was a bit odd. The, those first three chords there, and I'm picturing something, and I was picturing actually, my this one's kind of autobiographical um, about when I was a teenager living at home and it wasn't very nice, um, but I didn't have the courage to leave. You know, I was still very insecure and shy and so on. And basically, that's what the lyrical content is about. But that's the image I had in my head, mm -hmm. and I want, and then I just explored things. So I thought, okay, I've got the G, I've got the the, uh, the G seven with the F in the bass, and I've got an E minor. What's the answer? Well, the answer was that do 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 chord. Um, I forgot what it's called. Even. 
Um, and that reminds me of something from a Joni Mitchell song from um, from one of her first two albums. I forgot. Uh-huh. But I like that that you think, oh, this is coming. You know, it's bouncing along, and then this kind of dissonant thing come in comes in. So I like the 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 relationship that that, that had on. And then what I do is, so I have that section, and I do a vocalization over the top. You know, like you know, honestly, it can sound really bad. But I, I don't even try to sing. I, I just let my mind, my mouth ramble, like sure. I do with that. Um, and and then pick out something. So occasionally, yeah, I, I, I apply my musical education to it. But ordinarily, I, I go by feeling, mm-hmm. and I'll do a couple of passes of that on my voice, voice memos, and um, then I'll pick out the one that's best, and then I go, okay, that's good, and then I'll write some lyrics, and I'll write them as fast as possible. Um, I use a lot of placeholders and, I, you know, I send you a little autograph sheet um, about how I do it. So basically I want to keep moving, do, want to do it fast. Because uh-huh. I find that once you slow down, you start editing and then you yeah. start dancing and then you don't, you know, it just goes bad. Because really a song is catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's all got to come together quickly. And then you can work on it, of course, yeah. Sure. But the, the essence has to come really fast. So, um so I've got those lyrics in the verse and then I think, okay, what's going to be the answer? What's going to be the contrast? Um, which is one of my rules. You've got to have contrast. So that led me to doing um, the chords for the chorus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course I do the same process and then I mumble over the top of that, you know, and then I put some lyrics down um, and as I'm writing the lyrics, I'm singing them. So I'm seeing how they feel in my mouth, you know, also how are they working musically? With you know, obviously, so I don't wait till the end to see what they're like. I'm constantly testing them. Think, would, would this alliteration be better? What about this assonance? You know, do I want to rhyme here? Do I want a half rhyme? Do I not want to rhyme? And all those considerations are there. And uh, and boom, yeah, I've got the song done. So to be honest, it takes me ordinarily now. It takes me 20 minutes to write a tune. Wow, wow. I'm so sure. So I'm not bragging. It just if it takes no. longer. You, you've got you're in the zone you're in the zone man you got the flow and uh you know first off i want to just i want to salute you for the mumble the mumble writing because I, I i do that sometimes uh though i find it really useful with co-writing because yes. oftentimes i'll get together with folks and uh we'll be putting together the music and i'll be kind of mumble writing lyrics i'll be mumble singing lyrics and uh, what's great is they take that as kind of a Rorschach test and they start hearing things, you know, they start reading in the tea leaves what the words are. And I didn't actually say those words necessarily, but they they think that I did and they write them down as lyrics. And it's like, yeah, all right. That's kind of cool how that works. That's because lyrics don't matter. There, there you go. That's... <laughs> Watch that video, everybody. Watch that video on YouTube. In fact, that just reminded me of John Lennon. You know, he used to write stuff in the lyrics to need to to throw people off and get all the suits. Oh, you know, well, that's the, the, the story about, uh, the story about I am the walrus, right? He yeah. was, he was upset that, that some, uh, some high school teacher, I think was giving a real pretentious uh, analysis of Beatles lyrics. And he was like, screw him. I'm just going to write something. That's a bunch of nonsense. And it's like, yeah, all right. Hey, I, I can't, I'd be remiss if I passed by this song without asking you this. Okay. Was it at all inspired by the Big Lebowski, the movie The Big Lebowski? Because the, the dude, title. The yeah, title. the title. Okay. Well, of course, the, that and the title is the chorus. It's a you know a yeah. title drop. Um, yeah, you know, Big Lebowski is one of my favorite movies. 
and I can bore people to death quoting it non-stop. But, you know, dude can't abide, you know. There's something catchy about it, you know, so. Absolutely. Uh, and I, and um, as you'll see with the, the challenge song I did, I like to do titles that do have a reference to either other people's songs uh-huh. or, you know, or movies or books. You know, I, I like I, I like doing that because I think. Well, I was going to say you brought up books, which is a, a good way to pivot here to the fact that you're a novelist. You've written a, I, I, I admire anybody who can just make it through a first draft of a novel and and you you actually got one published and and uh and maybe more that's the I, I've seen one how does the process of writing a, a book how, how do you feel like that relates uh, mm-hmm. or compares and contrasts to your songwriting does it inform um, it at all yeah it's a good question um I the first time you do anything is the hardest so it, it took me about a year to write the first half of the book. And then I wrote the second half in an afternoon. There's a pattern developing here. Um, <laughs> so I, I got up early, had a big pot of coffee, wrote 30,000 words um, um, because I'd planned it all out. You know, like with the screenwriting thing we spoke before, uh-huh. before mm-hmm. that thing about having the beats, that's really helpful. That's really helpful. So you do so, outline it ahead of time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then all you do is sit down and you look, you know, into the movie that's playing in your mind and you write it down what you're seeing. That's how I did it. And it's a genre piece, you know, it's like science fiction, noir, bit of vampires thrown in. Yeah. Actually, my contention was what happened if you put Miles Davis into outer space? So the character is very, you know, crusty and crabby like Miles Davis. You nice. Know, and, um, but he has his own genius. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and then I just chucked in everything else I liked, you know, because it's only a page. There's no, there's no budget, so um, I threw in bits about vampires and so on. And um, you know, I was thinking about the practicalities as well. So there's things in there you're not going to see in any other vampire thing. And then I discovered I have a bit of a schoolboy sense of humor, so it, it's quite humorous and uh, at times. And uh, also, I'm a big fan of Raymond Chandler, the Philip Marlowe stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's in there. Um, there's wordplay and also language play because I speak Czech and I speak Spanish. Um, and I'm th- and I always think it's a bit funny when we watch movies set in space where they speak modern English. Because I don't know about you, when I was a kid, people there's words and expressions people don't use anymore. Yeah. And that's just within our lifetime. So in 500 years, they're gonna speak contemporary American from California. No, I don't think so. Um, that's why when I discovered Firefly, where they're throwing in Chinese. Uh-huh. Um, I thought, oh yeah, that's cool. You know, that makes sense. I saw that after I wrote my book, though. So, my book, um, yeah. So, my, so my book's got some language jokes. If you speak any Czech or use Google Translate. Well, this this raises another question. Uh, just uh, being multilingual, how how does that affect uh, like your your lyrical choices? I mean, do you do you feel like do you think that that brings up different word combinations than you might if you were only you know speaking one one language? Um, most certainly, yeah, without a doubt, yeah. Um, I, I quote, um, there's a thing called Kititsa, which means bouquet of flowers. And it's uh, it's like a Czech Brothers Grimm. And I love the Brothers Grimm. That's a big touchstone for me with, with my music and so on. Um, and uh, so I quote some of that in one of the tracks on Winter on, uh, on winter, winter Hours. Um, and I threw Czech words here and there. But I did write one song with Czech lyrics and all the girls were laughing at me when I sang it in the pub. So. <laughs> Sure. Um, it was a bit, you know, because Czech is very, uh, very monotonous. 
So once you start adding intonation, they think it sounds funny. Hmm, um, interesting. So um, I won't be doing an album. I won't be like Dave Lee Roth doing a whole album in uh, in Czech. In okay. Terms. But uh, yeah, and I've got some lyrics in Spanish and so on, or, if I, or French. You know, my French is very rusty now. But, you know, if I get stuck or bored of my same old tricks in English, you know, I'll just throw in some stuff some from a different language. Yeah, so the idea is for me to entertain myself, uh-huh. more or less. Oh, absolutely. If, if something good comes of it, great, you know. Do you feel like songwriting, you know, being as prolific as you are, do you... Do you find that to just be entertainment for yourself as much as anything? Um, yeah, but it's also some people smoke and some people uh-huh. put the guitar and play it. Uh-huh. <laughs> if I'm not around the guitar, like I've got guitars littered all around the flat and place. If I have to travel and I don't have a guitar, I'm like, oh, bite my fingernails, you know, after a day, you know, it's it's terrible. So, um, you know, and I'm always playing it when I'm watching things, even things that I like, you know, I'm always playing the guitar. Um, and then I'll stumble onto something I like and and then start writing like I did with the um, dude kind of bad. So sometimes you're just you're just goofing around on the guitar and then well, the, the, then a yeah. song will just flow out of you. That's that's awesome. And you've got that you've got that. I mean, it's nice that you've kind of trained yourself to be like that. I mean, when you flip the switch to writing, you know, hundreds of songs in a year. Um, now, what, what was how did you flip that switch? I think a lot of people are going to want to know that. How do you go from, I mean, how many songs were you writing before that? It's it's interesting because um, I I, uh, I keep a thing called the Black Book, which I explained in one of my other videos. This one's uh-huh. pink. But um, it's my fifth one. And I, I log all the finished songs in that, mm-hmm. uh, even if I come back to them and do more work on them later. Because I think I've lost some songs from when I started out as a kid, you know, because I never took it seriously and, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll work on it. It'll get better. You never do. So like, I was looking at my books, you know, reflecting on things. And there's there's times where I didn't write anything for months. Mm-hmm. And then, the, you know, it was very patchy. I'd write, what, 10 songs in one year. Also, one of the things about living abroad is um, it is easier to get into your little ebony tower okay. and, and get distractions away um, because, you know, Czech is a very difficult language, so it's very hard to, to be fully integrated, to be honest, with, with the Czech culture and people, uh, even though there's loads of great, you know, opportunities for arts and movies and things. So I think basically I just locked myself up in, in my little ivory tower, Albany Tower, uh, John Fowles reference there. And, um, you know, I just started writing. And, of course, I didn't expect to write 105 songs in the first year and 200 in the second. But uh, I think... It might have begun with saying, okay, finish this. Actually, I think that yeah. might have been the first step. Yeah. And then then I'd do it. And then I was, you know, it, this is before I started my songwriting channel. So I was doing things unconsciously for a long time. Mm-hmm. And then the act of learning what you're doing is really interesting. Yeah. Because it, it you have to have a it's like floating outside your body and watching your watching your work. And when you're being creative, that's doing both at the same time is is a challenge. So I actually honestly can't tell you how it, how it happened. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we listen to another one of your songs first, and then we'll get into any 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 more stories there. Okay, the next song I have queued up is yours off of, I believe this is your most recent album, Intimate Letters. Is that correct? That's right, yeah. All right. So this is, this is the song Yours by Trey Rock off of his album, Intimate Letters. Here we go.
Savor the moment with you Cause mayflies and love are no strangers My heart here waiting hard for you Say the word and it's yours Weak at the knees, will is strong Whatever the bill is, I'll pay it My parts here, passionate for you Share a kiss and they're yours in the water omens and tides the heart knows no quarter when the soul meets desire That was Yours by Trey Rock off of his album Intimate Letters. And uh, this is, I don't know, there just feels like there's so much emotional depth to this, just that, or that that desperation and, and yearning is really, really coming through on this. And you've got that kind of a haunting chorus going on. And uh, I love the chord progression. Well, let, let's talk about this one. So what 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 went into the, to the making of this one? What were you thinking of when you were uh, writing this? This one I remember much more clearly. Um, I was watching a video, and I'm remiss whose channel it is. It's a YouTube channel about um, music theory. There are many of them, but this one is this guy, I think he's based in Brazil or Argentina. And uh, he did something about Debussy, the uh, the girl with the braid in her hair. And uh, he, the, those first chords are actually from that. Oh, um, nice. Okay. I'm, I'm really on a classical music thing um, the, the past year or so. And um, yeah, so the you know it like and also the the Piketty third where you play a major and then a minor. Now you know we've all played them, but we don't know called they're called Piketty thirds. I only discovered it from watching this video. Sure. Um, uh, but that the, that Piketty third has that very plaintive at the end there. Do, 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 do. You know it goes major at the end instead of minor, and your heart has a little tug string. You know the heartstring has a little tug. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's also interesting. I think a lot of if you were to you know study music theory of the 60s a lot of 60s rock and pop 
use that technique a lot. You know, if you listen to the zombies, um, absolutely, and so on, it, it it's really it's richer material to play with. So, um, yeah, so that's where I started with that. So that was that pretty much covers how I got the verse and the chorus. And then I thought this needs a midsection, and that's when I just reach for any. Usually, if I do a mid, I'll just reach for any chord and see what happens. And um, so that's what I did there. So it jumps into a, a different key, I think. Um, I'm terrible at actually analyzing my own songs. <laughs> that's all good. Because don't you get that? You feel a bit scared that you'll you'll lose the magic. You know, it's like um, Mark Twain said: after every dissection, there is left a corpse. So oh, I'm frightened of dissecting things too much, you know, because you still want the magic, don't you? Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so I, I reached for this other chord and I thought, okay, that one. Like I said earlier, I let the chords speak to me. It sounds a bit crazy, but it's true. And then so that, then it suggests the next one. Or maybe there's a top line I want to play with chords. And then I'll just fumble around until I find it. Mm-hmm. Or there's a middle line. I particularly like those uh, chromatic middle lines, you know, like in uh, My Funny Valentine and or Stay With To Heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much on the bass well on the bass you know it happens more in the rock songs I guess so yeah so I just felt my way through that and then um, you know the, the other thing is I don't know if you have this David is that um, a song is like a puzzle you create for yourself that you have to solve and so each stage you're going oh okay so you know and and at the end of the day um, I'm going to do another video that people might not like say uh, about music theory doesn't write songs at all you have to go with your taste mm-hmm. um, and that's, and all those great songs from the blues guys and all the, you know, they didn't have music theory classes, you know, they just had great taste and, you know, they came from a good tradition, and, you know, many other genres. Um, so you have to follow your taste and, and when you get, find something satisfying for you, that's the solution. And then you can move on to the next step, next step. Well, I like the, uh, I like that you bring up the puzzle aspect of it um, because I, I remember because I'm kind of, I, I guess I'm kind of a, I, I think in kind of formal terms a lot of times with music, and I do kind of create a puzzle in my brain. It's almost like a crossword pr- puzzle. Uh, I've I've described it that way, and I remember describing it that way to a to some other musicians, and they were horrified. They were absolutely horrified at the idea that that I was trying to sort of fill in these blanks that I sort of created on my own, and they just thought that was just unnecessary structure. And mm-hmm. and they just uh, wanted to, well, but they and they just wanted to go with the flow. And, and it sounds to me like you're kind of you're kind of doing you know halfway between. You're going with the flow, but you're yeah. creating these puzzles as you go. One about the things I love about Picasso, if you've seen uh, at the end of his life, he was doing these drawings at nighttime, you know, just with light, and he'd just do a little sketch with the light, and the, the photograph would, you know, get a bull or, or a flower or a girl or something, and. And it comes down to that. It's you spend a lifetime doing technique and exploring to come back to the simplest thing, mm-hmm. um, and that's why I like I, I've done a lot of jazz and contemporary music and contemporary art and so on. But at the end of the day, I'm a songwriter. I like the simplicity of the form. But you know, I've got no choice. I have to do it. Yeah. Uh, and th- this is uh, and this is the other thing is that um, when you do the song, it, um, ego has nothing to do with it you have to serve the song you know you have to uh do you know uh the, the muse of, of ancient greece is Euterpe. so if i have any kind of god it's get, keeping her happy you know uh-huh, otherwise uh-huh. you'll leave me and then i've got no more music you know so i have to give him my sacrifices which are these these songs i i know from uh we, we discussed this when we were putting together the intro um but i mean you 
you know, you started uh, as a bassist and, and then you then you picked up guitar later. I, do you ever, you know, write songs with the bass at all or is it all guitar now? Um, mm. Or other instruments, maybe even not just the bass. Um, I've written um, songs on the guitar with just bass lines mm-hmm. because sometimes chords give you too many options, don't they? And, sure. You know, particularly if you want to do a rock song. Yeah. Um, so you, you either do power chords or you just go on the bass. But I do pick the bass up as well. I've got one of those lying around. And, you know, I, I record lots of little bits and pieces for a, a funk album I may or may not do. Because um, I like getting nippy on the bass and, and getting into a groove and, and so mm-hmm. on. Um, but no, no, no actual recorded material. Um, but it, it's somewhere in the pipeline. Yeah. Do, I've got do about, you... as you might imagine, I've got about seven albums I need to record. Before. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah, you get this backlog when you're you're writing that many songs. Um, but but do you feel like the bass, your your time as a bass player, d- d- yeah. has that informed your songwriting at all? Or oh, uh, Yeah. There's, there's, I think there's a massive difference between bass and guitar. One of the, one of the problems with working with guitarists when I was a bassist is they had lousy time. You know, a lot of them wanted to play Eddie Van Halen stuff quite badly. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but they forget Eddie Van Halen was a superb rhythm guitarist. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, and so, you know, or just the discipline of staying on one chord. There's a James Brown thing when he was auditioning guitarists. He says to some guitarists, can you play a D13? And he goes, yeah. And he plays, he says, how long can you play it for? You know, it's that discipline of... of getting into a groove, um, or even if you play more complex parts, being able to swing. I think swing is kind of lost these days, you know. Mm-hmm. That's my old man speech. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but so as a bass player, um, yeah, I think, because also bass, you have to connect the harmony with the, the the kick drum, more or less, and and also take a step back and serve the song as the bass player. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of bass players who are up at the front, you know, mm-hmm. twiddling around. They have to be really good, you know, like um, the game Primus or Jack of Pastorius. Yeah. Um, not many of them are that good. And even Flea is phenomenal, but he, he does sit back since um, Blood Sugar Six Magic. He sat back and performed a really f- phenomenal bass player role, as well as being able to step forward, you know, from time to time. I'm jumping around everywhere here, but the, um, yeah, so definitely the bass, playing the bass is, is informed that by uh, my musical soul. All right, well, we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we're going to get to the crux of the matter. We're going to uh, discuss the uh, the challenge songs that we both wrote, and uh, and we'll, we'll see what, what we came up with. So we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Raw Songwriting Podcast. I'm your host, David Coyle. We are here today with Trey Rock. Uh, he is... Uh, originally from Liverpool, he lives now in Prague, and he is a singer-songwriter with uh, a very wide-ranging background in music. Uh, as is customary, I, I sent him about a week ago a list of random prompts for him to choose from. Uh, and so the first prompt was a picture of... <laughs> what? I'm not sure exactly what it is, but it looks like a chair, but it's made out of uh, jewelry. I, I That might be the... or lenses looks like a lens for a seat a mirror for a back and some crystal for legs it's an interesting interesting picture uh there was a random word uh that was zamara it's uh a sheepskin coat of the kind worn by uh, shepherds in spain Mm. there was a random fact back when dinosaurs existed there were active volcanoes on the moon 
And then the Fearless Prompt, uh, which you can find at timyard.com, part of the Fearless Songwriting Project, uh, was Living on the Road. And there's a, a, a painting there of, uh, of, a, of a kid and his dog sticking their heads out the window of a car. So, uh, Trey, so what, which prompt did you decide on and, and what was the process of choosing that? And were there any uh, others that you were tempted by? It, it had to be Zamarra. Yeah. Um, I lived in Malaga uh, oh. briefly. Yeah. And, um, and the song is, as you will see, is reflective of my experience there. Um, I've just been going through my diaries and so on, you know, scanning them because, you know, things can get lost. And um, I found this diary I had in Spain. So I wanted to, for a few weeks, I've wanted to write a song, you know, called My Spanish Diary, you know, that uh -huh, uh -huh. reasonably cool title, um, but maybe not. And and um, and then I let it be, no pun intended, or whatever the word could be. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I got distracted. Basically, I've, I've got a short attention span of my own. <laughs> and and then when you mentioned the Zamara, there's these that immediately popped out. You know, uh -huh. boom. Yeah, I had to do that. I was like, boom. You know, I didn't even know, I didn't even know what it was. You know, um, until I read that definition. Um, so, so you I, never you never actually had a zamara. No, I was in Malaga in the summer where it's forty degrees, so there's no sheepskin coats. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, for, sorry, forty degrees centigrade. What's that? Like ninety three Fahrenheit. You know that temperature where. Oh yeah, there. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, I loved it that way, you know, but um. So um, so yeah, that that popped out, and um, and I have to say, I I've never written a song to a prompt before, and oh, um, I I kind of came into it kicking and screaming because um, I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to do my own thing, you know, because free association, you know, is normally how I do stuff, yeah. Um, um, and so I did have a stab at a few other songs. I kind of did a. A Lalo Schifrin, you know, like Dirty Harry music version of something, you know, mixed up with the meters um, that wasn't really coming together because I, I, I thought I saw the coats. I looked for the images and it looked like one of those hippie coats from the late 60s, you know, yeah. that scene, hate Asprey and stuff. So I thought, oh, what about something funky about, you know, feeling really cool in my coat, you know, uh, but that didn't happen. It didn't come together. And I was like, oh, you know, I felt like I was putting a square peg into a round hole and then I just thought okay I should go back to what I know which is just taking a few steps away from that idea um and that led me back to my Spanish diary I thought oh, of course I can do this you know so um but also the coat it made me think of Bob Dylan of course boots of Spanish leather the uh that first song of Tangled Up Tangled Up in Blue and then also um the one he did with Johnny Cash on Nashville Skyline uh, I've totally gone blank. It's super famous. Um, you know, uh, Girl from the North Country. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. So, and then I thought, okay, I'll grab that, I'll grab that, I'll grab that. Yeah. I've already jumped to talking about lyrics, which is very naughty of me because, of course, I did the music first. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so what I did, what I discovered, um, it's on my other albums, is um, I started working with tunings for reading a book, um, a really technical book on Journey Mitchell, and I started playing with tunings and then I, I wanted to learn, I was obsessed with some girl who 50, 80 songs are about, you know, from that period uh, recently. <laughs> the, so basically, I, the long and short of it is, 
I, I started playing in uh, some tuning for the um oh god I'm, I'm terrible at names I'm so bad now all right well why don't we why don't we take a listen to the song and and then we'll we'll hear a little bit more about how it was made uh this is boots of Spanish leather by Trey Rock and it is his challenge song this week uh to the prompt Zamarra am I is, do I need to roll the R's is that the proper way to pronounce it uh, Zamarra uh, <laughs> all right okay here we go boots of Spanish leather by Trey Rock somebody said boots of Spanish leather somebody said I've never been together Somebody sang of coats to warm the weather When I got some time to write about the things that make my heart these nights The jasmine's high The moon and I Painted in the sea with the lovers passing by I don't know where to begin a goodbye to a century's ghost Somebody sent a postcard from the coast Somebody kissed me and I could not help but boast When I'm pondering the page I feel the passions of the things I wrote Jasmine's high The moon alive Painted in the sea With the lovers passing by I don't know where to begin I don't know where to Right, that was Boots of Spanish Leather by Trey Rock. It was his uh, contribution to the challenge this week uh, based on the prompt Zamara. And uh, man, I just got to tell you, the, 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 the chord 
the chord changes that you do there on the the last two lines of the of the chorus with the lovers passing by i don't know where to begin those just kill me those are so so good and they just they just sweep me away i i absolutely adore those those choices um but the vibe you got on this song i mean the production you put together is really really nice yeah so this was so you said you were kind of agonizing over the the prompt aspect of it i mean i'm curious i'm curious is is do you feel like you'd ever want to do prompts again or is it something that you want to just kind of uh, you know it's like hey this was a fun exercise but i'm ready to move on um no it like oh clearly i would never written that song without the prompt without, yeah. without your um your prompting uh i just don't have any shortage of ideas though you know so sure. i don't never really needed them it, it, it it's interesting you know i was listening to it just then thinking hmm you know they, there's something a bit out of the box you know, for me, about that tune. When I write, I don't try to write in any specific genre. Um, I just let a song happen, and then I see what shakes out. And then if I've written a certain, you know, say 30 songs, then I can choose 10 that could be on a, a rock album or yeah. you know, 10 ballads or whatever. So, But this one shook out really strangely, <laughs> you know. And, and so there's an album I'm going to do of oddities, where I don't know what genre it is, yeah. Uh, so I, this is definitely going to go on the album. Yeah. So nice. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a great this is a great tune. Um, you know, I, I like to ask all of my guests. Uh, you know, do you consider this to be a finished song? And if not, you know, how would you go about revising it? Yeah. Um, no, it's not. Um, this is the first singing I've done for about a year because um, I've had. It's kind of embarrassing. I've had polyps, so I wasn't sure. even able to sing at all for months uh, until recently. So I think my singing is a bit below par. Um, so I, I do the vocal again. Um, and at the midsection, I just was do, just tried out any. I just wanted something totally different. Sure. Um, so some of those chords work nicely, and some of them feel a bit clunky. So, but I don't know which is which yet. Mm. <laughs> so um, I'd play with that bit a lot more. But I am happy with the verse and chorus, all aspects of that. Oh, yeah, it's just the mid I would work on again, mm-hmm. and the vocal. You know, what do you think? So, well, what's your um, what's your general process for revising? I mean, is it uh, do you do you kind of put them down for a while and then come back to them like several months later, or do you, I know you write them in your book if it's a finished song, and I I would. But when you when you write them in your book as a finished song, does that mean yeah. just it's the form of a finished song, or is it, or is it something that you feel like you've already revised and you've gotten as good as it's going to get? It's like a recipe, you know. Uh-huh. Two different people will cook something entirely different, won't they, mm-hmm. with the same recipe? Um, and of course, when I, if I was preparing that for string section mm-hmm. or to do a jazz version, like today I was. Like I was going around to do to do to do you know, like you know, playing with it more. So there's loads of ways you could take in different directions. Sure. Um, I quite like that arrangement though. But like uh, I didn't finish saying it was that pop it came out like that way because I played everything on it, except the drums. This is the first time I've played with uh, Logic Pro's automatic drums. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the way I record, I don't like click tracks. I think that, and um I think they're a sin. And um so I record the guitar, I play play it through, and then I either replace it later on or I build everything from that guitar. So there's a human motion 
with that music, which I think we've lost, to tell you the truth. Um, and so that, that, that human motion is in there, and then I can start stacking up things on top of it, or um, and so on. But I thought, okay, um, I, doing drums is always a challenge for me because sure. no access to them. Um, so, but I was really surprised that that all those drums are automatic. You know, the computer generated. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, they give you a lot of. Uh, yeah, I'm still I'm still figuring it out on because they put the drummer program on uh, yeah. GarageBand too, which is what I use oh. mostly to 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 work on stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's amazing the versatility there and and and. And I don't know, I, I still haven't figured out how to quite get it, but it's just trial and error. I just, uh, you yeah. know, sometimes yeah. I'll find something that just works. Um, but that, I think those drums allowed me to have those suspensions, you know, just yeah. holding the chord. Sure. I, and and just letting the it breathe, you know. Um, whereas without, you know, uh, any kind of percussion background, it, I wouldn't have been able to do that at all, would I? You know, I would have had to play a more solid rhythm. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, Emotionally, I think the way the reflectiveness of, of thinking back on that time, this is my interpretation. I don't know what the listener would think. Um, but, you know, having those um, those gaps where your mind kind of floats around in a certain mist and then an image will pop out and you'll remember something. And, and that's kind of how I felt my way through that song in that, in that way, doing the arrangements as well. So... Writing as many songs as you do, uh, how many of them do you go back and, and I mean just the basic song, like go back and revise like like the lyrics and the melody, or, or do you do you pretty much just pick out, you just basically say, you know what, I got a bunch of songs here, these ones are good, these ones, you know, I'm, I'm just going to abandon them or something like that. So I, I basically, um, for me, a song is a verse and a chorus, and then it goes in the book. Um, if I like it and I want to record it or play it live, then I might put, you know, coders, instrumental sections, da da da. Occasionally, I might write um, another verse. Okay. Um, or I might put a mid in if I think like it deserves a mid. Um, but um, it, it really varies. But there's a whole bunch of songs, of course. I, I, I go over them and go, it doesn't really. Know. Yeah, I like to be surprised, so I do like to put them away and then I forget about it and then I'll bring it out. And I go, oh, because already I'm past with past this year's album. I'm working on my next two albums. Yeah, moment. yeah, yeah. No kidding. And, I um, imagine so. Um, and this one of them I have to I have to drop is um I was really inspired, you know, because because of uh COVID being locked up, I actually succumbed to buying an Xbox. Um because oh. I do think video games are a colossal waste of time. However, <laughs> I got this game The Witcher because I, I watched the TV show and I thought the TV show was okay, but the game is phenomenal. I was really shocked at how mm-hmm. The, the production values and the storytelling and characterization. And then I read the books and that just got, then because I'm sick of writing about myself, I started writing about these characters. Mm-hmm. Now um, I don't know about the copyright situation, but um, I, I basically did a whole album based from that mixed up with my brother's Grimm and the, the Czech um, Kititsa urban stuff. Um, so it, it's like um, a big mixture of styles, but lots of storytelling um, about different characters and, European folk stuff, which is I found very powerful to use too. So, um, again, I don't think I answered your question, did I? Um, no. So I go back please, to them. You touched. Yeah. No, I think you did. I think you did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, well, it's a. Well, that, that's an interesting question. I haven't thought about that. If you're if you're writing a, a song based on some sort of uh, intellectual property, what's the? Uh, it seems to me that you know, if especially if you're mixing other other things in there, like uh, you know the the Brothers Grimm and whatnot. 
So I, well, you know, th- that's an interesting question. Anyway, this is not a legal show, so I, yeah, I don't want to yeah. give out any legal advice <laughs> to people, but but uh, check that out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll speak to my lawyer. My that's people. right. That's right. Um, well, that, that's, I, a, that's a fine, fine song. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Can I just drop in something? Because um, tunings for guitarists. Now, this is a great way of keeping yourself fresh. Oh, so yeah. I kind of started that story about the Joni Mitchell thing and... Um, in that, um, so basically, I created a tu- I created a tuning um, called Hannah. So it's standard tuning, but you turn the B up to C, uh-huh. and that song um, there has got that tuning, which gives you some extra flavors to play with. Ah, okay. So even just uh, you know, if, if you're stuck with your own songwriting, you know, the listener or, or whoever, then um, just play with one of the strings on your guitar. I imagine most people are guitarists who are listening, um, and and you'll find that. You know, even if you do a drop D or something, or drop it down to C, um, you know, you, you'll find you can find richer flavors, and it gives you a bit more impetus. Yeah. So that yeah, that's of- you know, I I I want to explore more alternate tunings, and I know there's I've got some friends uh, who do it with multiple capos, so that you don't have to necessarily retune every string. Um, but but I've I've always been a little wary of it. Um, and, and and a little bit lazy as well, but I part of me wants to get like a I don't I only have one guitar, okay. and so uh, you know I I I wouldn't mind getting like a travel guitar or something you know just a spare guitar where I would feel more comfortable just you know playing around with that and that way I'll always have one that's you know tuned regular and and then uh, but then one to experiment with so but but I but the results can be pretty fantastic and 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 they were with that song guitars. that's why I've got a few of them <laughs> yeah you know I don't I don't need top of the line instruments yeah because uh, I'll probably Do... drop them on the floor anyhow so well yeah well I'm banging mine around all the time yeah it's uh it's definitely uh you know it's it's definitely been lived in so <laughs> well hey. I totally recommend it yeah yeah, yeah. Well, do you find? Um, well, just out, of, I just out of curiosity, you got multiple guitars. Do yes. you find that? Uh, um, you know, how much does the the guitar you're playing influence your songwriting? Tons, yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm trying to write more on the electric again. You know, like mm-hmm. a, when I started out, I only had electric guitars playing rock music. Um, it is hard to write a rock song on an acoustic guitar. There's just sure. you need that you need that feedback so to speak, don't you, you know, um, and the, the, the first song, um, do kind of buy is this uh, classical guitar, um, that, um, you know, there's a certain point in a man's life when he's past 14, he has to have a certain procedure done. Well, I thought I deserve a treat. So I'll buy this other guitar. <laughs> and, um, I wanted to get a, 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 uh, some kind of nylon string and, um, I tried loads of them out and they all, they all had this kind of choked feeling. And as soon as I picked this one up, I started doing tremolo and playing flamenco and all sorts of like, well, I didn't know I could do this. This is amazing. Nice. So clearly I bought it. So yeah, of course, yeah, the, um, the feel of the instrument, of course, the, you know, the sound of it. So if, if you've got an electric and you've got a nasty sound, you don't really, you know, you play nasty music really, don't you? You know, but if, if you've got a sound you're really comfortable with and you like, you'll, you'll be a lot more creative and flowing. I got to get myself another guitar then. I yeah. guess that's what you're telling me here. You're telling me I need another guitar, maybe even two. Uh, we'll, we'll see what I can do about that. Um, well, all right. Well, that hey, fantastic song, man. That was really, really great. Um, as as is customary, I wrote a song as well to the to the to the prompt. 
All right. All right. This is uh, Shepherd's Moon, my contribution to the challenge this week, uh, based on the prompt Zamara. And uh, here we go. Shepherd's Moon. One, two, three, four. about I take the wool to bail fleece the chorn from the morn to evening's veil and every night I walk along a well-worn trail through the brome takes me home it never fails but tonight I take a strange detour and I won't be coming home soon Tonight I'll view a shepherd's moon Saw the lights taking flight above the downs Shining brightly in the sky there made no sound I felt a boat I was lifted off the ground I cried for help But there was no one else around And I Took a strange detour And I Won't be coming home soon Tonight I'll view a shepherd's moon And we flew out to the horizon And we flew up to the stars And I couldn't help but thinking That I don't know where we are And I saw the rings of Saturn And then I viewed the shepherd's moon They returned me to the source In the meadow At the dawn of a new day I stood up And I continued on my way And I Took a strange detour And I Now be coming home soon that night I viewed a shepherd's moon So 
That was Shepherd's Moon by yours truly. It was my contribution to the challenge this week uh, based on the prompt Zamara, uh, sheepskin coat. Um, so before I get into the making of, uh, did anything stand out to you on this song? It's a good story. Yeah. Um, like, because you're using old fashioned language, um, I had the idea of, you know, the, the, um, an alien abduction in the hills of Galicia, you know, in the 17th century, you know, something like that. Is that what you intended? Uh, yeah, basically. Yeah. It was, it was, it's interesting how I got there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that, that was where I was kind of going. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting direction, but you know, it, it's a good story. Like I had to look up the word brome. I like old fashioned words, so I'm putting that one in my next song, okay? There you yeah. <laughs> Well, this was um I think the thing was is I really didn't I didn't know what to do with Zam the thing about Zamara is that yeah. it's it's such a specific word for a specific role. And I do occasionally like to do uh what I call jargon songs. And what yeah. I'll do is I'll just I'll take um, something like photography and I'll pull out a, a glossary of photographic terms and then I'll <laughs> I'll pick out the ones that have I'll pick out the terms that have like a lot of double meanings so they can have layers to them and stuff and then I'll I'll end up writing a song built around that language set uh, and so I I started out wanting to do something like that where I was gonna write with these you know some hyper specific words that are associated with um, uh you know grazing and sheep you know shepherding and, and whatnot and unfortunately i didn't i didn't find that many interesting words or that many words that were were really sticking out to me um but i did uh i was thinking about uh uh like the moon and i was wondering i wonder if there's such a thing called a shepherd's moon mm -hmm. and and there is or it's called a shepherd moon not a not a possessive but a shepherd moon but it's not like it's not like our moon. What what a shepherd's moon is is um it's a moon, you know, Saturn. Okay, you've got Saturn, you've got those no, rings. You can actually all the dots really well, yeah. Yeah, the 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 the, the there's a moon that go basically what a shepherd moon is what goes around the rings that that causes the debris to collect mm -hmm. uh the, to form the rings. Yeah. And and once that was there, I was like, okay. Well, let's go with uh, the UFO thing, and um, and yeah, exactly. Well, I was I, jump from that to UFOs is an interesting connection, but <laughs> uh, well, I think there's there's been a little uh, hoo ha going on in the states uh, about UFOs lately, anyway, because there was this uh, the military was appears to be maybe acknowledging UFOs in some fashion or taking them more seriously, <laughs> and and I don't know if that's just about you know trying to get people to track drones in the air or whatever more but but uh but that's been that's been that's been out there so so that was on my mind um the other thing though i started kind of more with the music because i was struggling with what i was going to write about um lyrically and i started out with um i guess the kind of the strumming pattern i was doing uh i i recently heard a song by a indie rock band uh I'm not sure what city they're from in, in the States here, but uh, it, they're, they're called the Heartless Bastards. And they have a song called, um, oh, you know, I should have written it down because I knew I was going to talk about oh, it. I'm not the only one who does that. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. It, it, you know, it's funny. It's like a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that. Um, but they, they had a song that I heard that just really, I, I just really loved it. And it had that kind of strumming pattern to it. So yeah, I decided, strong. 
Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's also that has something in common also with. Uh, there's a U2 song that comes to mind, uh, the sweetest thing I think it's called, uh, uh-huh. which has a similar kind of uh, rhythmic thing going right. for it. Um, but it was that heartless bastard song that particularly kind of drew me in, and I was like, okay, I want to write something in that vein. Um, and and so that's kind of how this one came together. Uh, I I I feel like it's. I'm going to I'm going to pivot into the critique here, but I kind of feel like it's uh, it's a bit it's a bit messy right now. But I, I feel like there's um, like like for instance, you weren't clear that it was a UFO that happened, and I I don't know if I need to make that more clear. Oh no no, well, um, once I read the lyrics, yeah, but I just when you said, I just thought it was interesting that you jumped from a very scientific, you know, uh, cos- cosmology thing to straight to UFOs. Yeah. You know, you know, here's a planet around Saturn. Oh, UFOs. Uh, but I liked, no, it's a good story. And I liked, um, like, okay, so I would, can I make a suggestion? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sorry, mate. But on the last verse, um, you kind of waste the opportunity to add another layer. You know, you could, I agree. like, 17th century Spain, I, he's just been abducted. I don't think I'd tell anyone. I'd be keeping this to myself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so you, you could have an extra, you know, layer there about, and I, you know what I mean? That you'll never be able to tell anyone or, you know, was it? Yeah, like Catholic? nobody will ever believe me or something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spain is very, very Catholic. So back then, um, you know, he, yeah, he's um, he's a psychic shock or a spiritual shock, you know. Well, he could um, think. I guess the the alternative would be that he thought that he had a religious experience, and oh, yeah, uh, and, yeah. and might think that. Uh, yeah, I went to the other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He could have been. Yeah, yeah. Because because that's because it's interesting. The the spin right there that it's. I was not thinking 17th century, or or I wasn't thinking like it was a period piece. But I like that idea. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And because uh, um, the language I was pulling was more just that kind of jargon stuff is what I was doing. Yeah, there. but um, Rome. Um, in the first verse, you've got yeah. a bale. Okay, not such a, it's used these days. But yeah, the brome, Sean, you know, um, I think in modern English, people might say sheared, mightn't they, you know, make it like a regular verb. And, um, yeah, yeah. They have the distinctive impression. Also, you know, how much sheep farming is going on in Spain, you know, or. You know, I just think of Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> well, I'll admit that most of it, uh, yeah, with uh, when I was looking up the terms, it seemed like uh, New Zealand and Australia was kind of the yeah. uh, the dominant. Yeah. Uh, Rouseabout, there's a very nice old-fashioned word. Rouseabout, yeah. It's, these days, it's like roustabout is the, the more common uh-huh. version, but I liked yeah. rouseabout a little bit because it was more specific to the thing. Um, what's the difference i thought it was just a, a variation oh uh it is a variation but roustabout is there basically roustabout is just somebody who's like a, a hand just sort of a common worker uh uh oh, wow. working with working with the shepherd and you know just sort of delivering right, uh, bales yeah. of 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 uh of wool whereas like a roustabout can be it can be that, but it can also be somebody who works on a boat. It can also be like a, I think like a vagabond or something like that. I think there's several different, yeah. several different definitions for roustabout as opposed to rouseabout. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, so is those those old-fashioned words that gave me that picture? The you know the the setting, you know. 
Yeah, so and I, I like that. I like that. And that's 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 a great direction to go is just make it uh and that that could add more flavor to the for the for the lines uh the way they would describe describe what's going on too. I could use some more old-fashioned language for that too. So that's yeah. yeah. And I like that you uh you did a mid, you know, that like ABAB can often be quite boring for me. That's why my songs are so short cuz you know once I once I got ABAB a couple of times. <laughs> Or maybe two, two. Sorry, A B. Yeah, first chorus, first chorus. Maybe another chorus at the end. Um, I just want to quit. But um, but you put in a mid, and that yeah, that was nice. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. This one just sort of felt like that. I mean, I it is a longer, it is a longer song. I and then I have the whistle, <laughs> the whistle verse yeah, at yeah, the end, yeah. which is I you know it just like I I didn't know how to end the song, and I think oh. I decided okay, well. I'm just going to whistle it out. Now, whistling is my my uh, yeah, generic placeholder. I use the I use it as a generic placeholder all the time. Uh, but I but I am uh, I I go all dry. So if I'm trying to whistle on stage, it's like you know. Oh just, sure. Well, you, you got to have your thing. you got to know when your whistle songs are coming up, and then have your bottle of water or your glass of water ready to go. And uh, yeah, that could be a pain in the butt if uh, if I jump into a whistle song and I'm not hydrated. Have you thought about playing harmonica? I haven't thought about the arrangement at all, but a harmonica actually would be great. Um, or I could even see uh, this might be a little too too weird, but a, like a accordion even because they uh, both have kind of that you know if you do long kind of the long notes on on a harmonica or, a, or an accordion they they have kind of a similar feel I think. Um, yeah, yeah, but I I could totally hear. I think it's a great suggestion. Yeah. Now, on the on the last episode, you mentioned you you often uh, do a whistle. Part, you know, is to fill something and when you because you know, um, because you're playing guitar, yeah. Um, and I found harmonica and number one is really good fun, dead cheap, and there's like millions of different flavors that you can just play with to add texture or or, or actual music. Oh, sure, sure. You know what? That was the first instrument I learned was the harmonica. Uh, oh. and I don't, yeah, I have a whole bunch of them and uh. Uh, in several different keys, but I haven't uh, I haven't really uh, drug them out in a while. Yeah, I, well, have you played them with those little attachments on your shoulders? I mean, yeah, that... yeah. Um, I I have a bit of a problem because they keep falling around my neck. I don't know how Bob yeah. Dylan keeps them still, but um, so I'm doing a solo, um, and then it'll start falling over. You know, like on stage that is. Yeah, but uh, maybe it just adds to the excitement. You know, oh, is he going to fall over? You know. <laughs> your body naturally moves over as the thing you know falls around your neck um but it's great because i really got into them um there's a a, a massive album for me was uh, hope sandoval and the warm inventions the uh, barbarian fruit bread Hmm. from from the turn of the century um and that's got really simple guitar uh, acoustic guitar and basically the harmonica is just playing a little chord you know or adding a little bit of yeah you know crushed pistachios over the top of the song and um of course you can also play notes and so on it's a bit more demanding um but yeah i, I just love the harmonica's life and what's interesting lately i've discovered people come up to you and go wow you played harmonica that was great <laughs> i don't know how it is in the states but people are that surprised over here yeah let me see that well i i just remember playing the harmonica this was a couple of years ago i had this uh I don't know. Do they do they have Halloween over over in Europe? I don't even know. It's from Britain. It's from England. Yeah. It's from England. Yeah. So we yeah. so so Halloween. I still uh, have it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Only good. English. Only uh, English. 
Well, I wrote a Halloween song, you know, uh, with a with a friend, and and it was very. It, we we did have like a, a harmonica in it, and I remember uh, the audience thought I was like a really good harmonica uh, player, and I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I'm a really lousy <laughs> harmonica <laughs> player. But <laughs> but hey, you know, you know, the rule is if they think that it's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's I, yeah, I, I would, yeah, this would be a fun one to kind of come up with a a, a more complex arrangement around, and uh, a harmonica actually sounds like a great idea. So, well, that's my song this week, and um, I guess that brings us to the uh, towards the end of the show here. Uh, now's the point where if you you want to plug some stuff, uh -huh. I, I want you to plug uh, everything that you want to plug. Okay. Um, well, um, I've got my website where you can find everything about me. It's uh, Trey Rock, T-R-E-Y-R-O-Q-U-E dot com. And uh, you'll find links to all my music streaming um, on YouTube. I've got my albums on YouTube as well, because I think people seem to go there more than anywhere else. And um, I also have uh, my Trey's Way, Songwriting Made Easy um, YouTube channel, um, where I open the kimono, as we said, on um, my songwriting process. Because one thing that frustrates me when I watch, this is how Radiohead wrote this song. No, it isn't. This is the end result. You weren't in the room with them. Yeah, you weren't with Johnny Greenwood and the other fella writing the song. That's and that's the process, and it's a mystery even to us, isn't it? Which is I wanted to say that your podcast is great because we we're not used to talking about our music, are we? You know, it it, mm. it takes a bit of practice. Yeah. Um, and, and if we do, we end up talking about the lyrics, but there, of course there's more to it. Um, and um, so this is giving songwriters a, a way to understand how to speak to each other or their friends and family about what we do, which is a bit of a mystery, even to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, even so, even when we're talking okay. amongst ourselves, you're right. It's kind of, uh, yeah. it's 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 mysterious, mysterious and surprising. I think it's always yeah. so surprising how, how other people do it. So um well, so, so you've also got your um, so that now is Trey's way songwriting made yeah. easy. Is that a separate channel from your is, personal yeah. channel? Okay, yeah, been, you know it's very specialist, isn't it? Um, also, way you know, like the Buddhist, the the Tao. Oh sure, and <laughs> I, I can't resist a rhyme or a pun, but um, yeah. So because I, I think it's a very spiritual thing that we're doing, you know, with music because we are, you know, like here your song, you know, you're pulling things from all over the universe together into. One minute, something doesn't exist, yeah? There's nothing on the page. And then 20 minutes later, an hour later, there's a song and people can hear it and respond to it and it's part of their lives. That's magic, man. That's amazing. It is, absolutely. Hey, you're, you're also a novelist here. So what's... Yeah, uh... yeah. my book is called Space Trucking Vampire. And, it's and about is that, let's, let's, let's just talk a little bit. That is an awesome title. Thank Space you. Trucking Vampire. Let's, have you written a song yet with that title yet? You know, I, I've, I've thought maybe I can, um, you know, do a, an audiobook, and mm -hmm. I'll do the music and stuff. But that's going nice. to be no small project, you know. Um, but I would like to do that. Yeah, um, I think uh, I need to do a rock album because I need to, you know, get um, get some of that stuff going again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that would definitely be a rock song. <laughs> yeah. But you can get that. Where where can you find the uh, space trucking vampires? Okay, so again on my website, um, you've, there's a link to Amazon. It's uh, it's only on ebook at the moment. Um, but you can read on any reader on any device. All right. Um, so you can find that everywhere. Um, it's all select bookshops called Amazon. <laughs> all right. All right. 
Thank you, David. Well, I'm looking forward to delving more into your uh, your ovur, and uh, this is this is this is great stuff, man. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, I've loved it. Thank you. Yeah, it's, been great. it's very kind right. of you to say that again. I'm sorry. Sorry, yeah, uh, it's been very kind of you to invite me on. Absolutely. Yeah, this has been and you know, I we, we didn't talk about it, but we actually had this scheduled a few months ago and uh we we had to reschedule and I I really appreciate you rescheduling with me and uh and this is probably going to be my last show for a few weeks. Uh so you've been a wonderful uh uh way to cap things off and um but uh anyway, this is the wrap for for this episode. Uh, please be uh, be sure to like and review the podcast, and, and you can follow me on Twitter at David L. Coyle or on Facebook at Dave Coyle's Musical Extravaganza. If you have any questions for me or about any of my guests, you can email me at rawsongwriting at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed this week's episode, please consider contributing to the program via Venmo at Dave Coyle or paypal.me slash Dave Coyle. In the meantime, keep your songwriting raw and riveting. One, two, three, four. Just a rouse about, I take the wool to bail. Fleece the chorn from the morn to evening's veil. Every night I walk along a well-worn trail Through the brome it takes me home, it never fails But tonight